Welcome to the Jay Martin Show. We are here in the remote studio again. I'm spending the month in Indonesia with my family. Today, my guest is E.B. Tucker, crowd favorite, and I always enjoy speaking with E.B. We talk about SVB, we talk about Signature Bank, we talk about the bond market, and most importantly, what might happen next. E.B. shares his number one piece of advice for the moment, and I guarantee it's not what you think it's going to be. As always, there's a link right beneath this video where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I publish every Sunday. I love writing it. I would love to have you join the team. Hit that link below and you'll hear from me every Sunday. Now here is E.B. Tucker. Enjoy. All right, E.B., it's good to see you. Welcome back to The Jay Martin Show. Thanks for making the time. Thanks Anna. for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So let's start uh, with um, Signature Bank and SVB. And my question for you is, from your perspective, why did those banks fail? And do you think they're a domino for something else in the near future? Uh, it's, it's amazing. As you know, I, I don't have you send me questions in advance I'm, I'm unlike probably anybody else that you I, I feel sorry for your assistant i said don't send me anything and it's funny you asked about this my newsletter goes out tomorrow it's ebtucker.com and i'm writing about this exact this exact thing because the svb collapse is actually very simple it's it's confusing if you look at the headlines but it's very very simple what happened is is that these guys thrived uh, during the startup scene because money came pouring in and the startup guys put it at the bank, very normal. Yep. And then the bank took that money and they bought tons of, of mortgages and um, treasury bonds and all these things that are, that are really good. You know, th these are good things to buy. Uh, but the problem is they have fixed rates of interest. And then the, the Fed comes along and jacks up the, the interest rates like a pawnbroker. I don't know if you've ever been to a pawn shop before, but it's, I've been to a lot of pawn shops. It's really fun. And they jacked up the interest rate. And then all of a sudden, these fixed rate bonds, you know, 3% mortgage. Now the mortgage is six and a half in the market. And that bond is worth a lot less. And then they go to sell these things. And the, and the, the decline in the value of these bonds was bigger than their entire capital base. So the mm. bank is insolvent. Poof. And I'll tell you what's crazy. And I have this in my newsletter. All this stuff was right in their filing. It was all right there. It was sitting right there. So, so anyways, so so it's 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 um, last year. I I don't know if I I think I told you this. Um, the Fed is going to raise rates till something breaks. That's the deal. They're going to raise rates till something breaks. Now, now what I say is make sure it's not you that breaks. That's number one most important thing. But People would say to me, well, is it, you know, uh, BlockFi? Is that what they meant? Nope, that's not what they're going to break. Is it FTX? Nope. I'm talking like if they keep this up, they'll break Japan. I mean, they'll, they'll break a country. So so this is just there, there's probably another 700 billion of of the same type of problem. This the problem in SVB wasn't that big, by the way. I mean, you're only talking like 20 billion in in loss of value there. You know, it's it's like sounds like a big number, but it's it's you know there's about 30 times that sitting in other banks. Now, not every bank is going to be insolvent. It's kind of it's crazy if you're running out and taking your money out of Wells Fargo. You're kind of nuts to do this. 
I mean, you're no, you're no more dangerous. To, they're no more dangerous to you today than they were a month ago. You know, it's about the same level of danger, but um, that's what happened. And I think people, I think people should see that. I've done my best to, to write that so that, you know, uh, aunts and uncles and neighbors can understand in layman's terms, but um, that's what happened. And that's, it's a consequence of the Fed. It's nothing to do with startups, by the way. Everybody's like, even my business partners on the boards, I get on these board calls. And the first thing they want to ask you about is some news topic. It's kind of, it's unbelievable. But these guys all thought that, that it was because of the tech layoffs. Nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. It's only a consequence of the Fed's radical change, of course, with its interest rates. I mean, radical. Like it, you look at this thing on a chart, it's just 20 years of down and then six months of straight up. Something's going to break. So to, to summarize, like, it, you know, they, they borrowed short, they invested long, you know, they bought long duration T-bills. I want to dive into the, the nuance of how a bond functions just for a minute. But first, can you pick apart the finger pointing at the tech sector a bit more? Because, yeah, we're seeing tons of that, right? Either pointing the finger at tech companies or at venture capitalists. You know, what, what's at the root of that um, animosity? And why would why would why is blame being paid, passed that direction? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it. I don't know if any real blame is. I mean, t Silicon Valley is a huge supporter of Washington, of big yeah. government. You, you, I think you know that. I mean, it's it's massive. And so you, 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 the average account, according to Seeking Alpha, the average account at SVB was four million dollars, and the average account at, you know, one of the major banks you know, is a lot less than that, right? Because you, there's a lot of people that, that work all day long, you know, on a roof or something. And, and they're really concerned about keeping enough money in their accounts. So their debit card works at the convenience store, right? They're not $4 million in their, in their account. Okay. This is big accounts, right? These people, these people are the epitome of a group that you would think doesn't need a bailout. These are always the people that are, that are trying to push things in our face about how we need to be so altruistic. You know, this is what's so funny. And so then the first call they make is straight to Washington, right? Hey, you're going to fix this, right? You know, we don't even know what happened. I want to make sure I get my money out of there. You know, I got a, I got jet fuel to buy. So anyway, so, so I think, I think people, they, they're saying things about this crowd, but I don't see any real action. If you notice, the talk out of Washington is like, no, it's not a bailout and taxpayers aren't going to pay. We got a committee. We're going to put a committee on this. Yeah. And they're going to investigate. And yeah. seven or eight years from now, they're going to definitely figure out and we're going to really stick it to them. OK, especially if they didn't give us any money, then we're really going to stick it to them. Right. So anyway, so forget about all that. But. So I think I think people should always um, be 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 wary of uh, people that are rousing up your your tension towards something, right? So I mean, if if they're stirring up this is the tech sector, well, you know, I'm suspicious. I mean, um, the whole the, the thing is much bigger, right? I mean, the the tech sector had a main line, a direct main line uh, to easy money policy right so like if the, with zero percent interest rates any tech idea works i mean it's a really low bar okay and so the tech sector made so much money because you had money continually coming in looking for an investment home 
that could generate more than 1% return because that was your threshold. And, and it was, you know, 15, you and I both know people that, that kept raising money at higher and higher valuations. There's no actual money. It just keeps stepping up the value. Now, the first part of your question, I think, is more important at this moment because it's dawned on me that most people don't know how bonds work. And it's really simple how bonds work. So if you take a $1,000 bond and it has a 3% interest rate attached to it, you, that means you pay $1,000 for the bond and you get $30 a year in interest. All right. That's a 3% rate of return. $1,000 bond, $30 of interest. And then some number of years later, you get the bond back, the $1,000. You, know, you get that back, right? But the purpose of the bond is, is that the, the 3% is 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 the that's your rental income for your money if that makes sense right that's how it works and you by taking by giving that thousand dollars you decided that xyz corporation or the u.s government or whoever is pretty safe and i'm going to just get three percent for that and collectively by all these people making that decision you know you risk your companies have to pay more right because they might not pay you back so they got to pay more okay so what happens is, is that you buy that $1,000 bond, you're going to get your 3%, your 30 bucks. And then the Federal Reserve jacks up the interest rates to 6%. So the, the same company that you bought the bond from has to sell some more bonds. It's very normal. And they have to pay 6% now. So the next person that comes along is going to buy a $1,000 bond that pays 6%. I mean, $60 a year. Now you're like, wait a minute, I got the same bond over here. It's only paying me $30 a year. Yeah, well, guess what? Uh, I'm only going to give you $800 for that bond, right? Because, mm. you know, it pays less. So I'm going to pay less for it, okay? So mm. I'm going to give you 800 Wait a minute, I paid $1,000 for this bond. Yeah, well, it's only worth 800 because I can go get a new bond that pays 6%. This is twice as much. I mean, come on, it's crazy. So this is how the market works. And the problem is, is that you have a, a committee, a committee of people gentlemen and ladies for the most part, that are setting the, the price of these bonds when in the past, the people that were actually buying the bonds decided who was risky and who's not. I mean, imagine, okay, imagine, you, you know what a bail bondsman is, right? It's like if you, get in, if you get in like a fist fight or something and you're drunk and you go to jail, you got to get a bail bondsman. So the bail bondsman takes a look at you and, and you know, you, you look like a pretty tough guy, right? You get the shaved head thing going on. And, and they're like, you look like a flight risk, okay? So I'm going to charge you, like, you know, a lot of money to bail you out of jail because you might take off. I don't know where you're going to – you're in Southeast Asia before I can find you again, and, and I'm on the hook for – okay. And then they might look at – they say, this is E.B. Tucker here. This, this is Jacket Man. Look at this. He ain't going anywhere, you know? So we'll charge him less. Okay. That's like they're doing a risk assessment, right? They're, they're, they're right or wrong. They're doing a risk assessment. And that's how it works. But that's not how it works anymore. <laughs> so like when the, when the committee puts the rate at zero, then you have companies coming along that don't even make money. They right. don't even make money. And, and they get to borrow for like 2%. It's crazy. And then all of a sudden, because, they, because it got out of control, they got to jack up the rates. And here is somebody that bought the, the $1,000 bond. It's 3%. It's now worth 800 and they're stunned. That's Silicon Valley Bank. That's what they did. They did the same thing on a huge scale. It's the same thing. And it's not crazy that they did it because it's what the bank does. They, they loan, they, you put the money in there and they turn around and loan it out to somebody else. 
The problem is, is that most banks, most people hedge, they hedge. We don't have to get into that, but they, they hedge. They protect themselves against fluctuations in interest rates. You know, if the interest rates get crazy, then, then they have an insurance product protecting them against exactly this. If Silicon Valley Bank had done that, they, they would still be in business. And I know, you know, we're, we're kind of talking and talking about this, but, but I, I just want to assure people that it actually is so simple. It's so easy. You know, it's just really, people get intimidated by the big numbers and uh, jargon and all these things like that. But it's really just, I, I grew up, my dad had a furniture store. And so I learned when I was a kid that selling a recliner, you know, for $400 or something, if you could figure that out, you know, you could figure out stock analysis, you know, on a big company. It's actually the same thing. And it's so simple. And I think people, when I write my newsletter, the Tucker letter, people, I try to explain to people, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you everything I know. You know, I'm just going to tell you the way I learned. And eventually you're not even going to need me anymore because you're going to be ready to do it yourself. I love that. And by the way, I am in Southeast Asia right now. So maybe I'm on the lucky guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So a couple of things I want to pull on here. Um, for, thank you for that explanation, by the way. That's exactly what I was looking for in terms of uh, bond performance, because I think it's something that gets thrown around a lot. Rates go up, bonds go down, but people don't actually understand what that means. And that's what that means. And so just to make sure I am with you. The consequence of that is that SVB owned a lot of long duration bonds that have come down in value. So they're essentially underwater on their long term assets. And um, when they had the cash call for. Uh... So how does that then function when you have the tech industry uh, making the cash call saying, look, you know, operating costs are going up, uh, profits going down. We need some cash. So they're pulling cash out of SVB while they're underwater on their their bond holdings. What is that dynamic? How does that dynamic? Well, so 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 it's not really the tech company's fault. I mean, the tech company put the money in the bank so oh, that yeah. it could hey. go to the bank later and get the money out. You know, it's kind of like rainy day fund. But yeah, and, and you and I both know people in this scene, and you and you, you. The last six months, the common lingo was, "Well, we have a lot of runway. You know, we have two years of runway." That was everyone's. That's sort of all the tech guys were saying is that they raised enough money in 2021 that they had a couple of years of operating capital stuck aside in the bank. And so as they started saying, yeah, we actually, we need a couple of million bucks. We, we, we haven't raised any more money. The market is really tough. We thought we would go public. We can't go public. We have a lot of tax to pay whatever the case may be. They come and start getting this money and Silicon Valley bank, you got to remember their, their deposits went from like less than 70 billion, like 65, 68 billion, something like that to 173 billion from the end of 2019 until last week. So I mean that was a that was a really big that is almost three times the deposit base because if you recall uh, every company with a pulse was raising money in 2021. Yeah. So like if you had an idea and a laptop and a website you could get funding in 2021. So I mean it was a low bar but what what Silicon Valley Bank would have been fine if the Fed didn't raise rates, hypothetically, or if the tech companies kept expanding, raising more and more money, depositing the money there, they would have theoretically been fine. So, so it wasn't like they did something crazy. You know, their, their mistake was if they had hedged, if they had, hedged, like, if you notice, I, I, I put a picture in my newsletter of the, of the 
actual snippet of the filing, okay? About 10% of the bonds they bought were variable rate bonds. And those did fine. Hmm. Like in, right. in, Canada, in Canada, you have a variable rate mortgage. So that means that as interest rates go up, your payment goes up. And what that means for the bank is that the bank is like, hey, we're not going to loan you money. And then the interest rate goes up. And then we're stuck with this loan that's not performing. You're crazy. But in the U.S., most of the loans are fixed rate loans, especially the smaller loans. And so in the U.S., if you take a loan for 3% during COVID and then the interest rates go to 7 I mean, the bank is massively – whoever owns that mortgage. I mean, it starts out being the bank, somebody else eventually. But – Whoever owns that mortgage is massively underwater because they paid, uh, you know, the, what they paid for it. It's now gone down substantially because nobody wants three percent rate of return when the going rate is six and a half. So that that's the problem is that Silicon Valley Bank goes out to sell those bonds to to, to get capital that it needs because the regulators say you got to keep this much money in the bank, mm-hmm. and they say, well, we thought we didn't think we'd have a need for that, and so this they need they need to sell those things. And then they go to sell them. Like you go to remember the thousand dollar bond that paid thirty bucks a year. You go to sell it, and the guy says, "Eh, I'm going to only give you eight hundred because it it pays half the interest of the other bonds." Yeah. And um, and I think people need to understand that this is not like two thousand eight when people weren't going to pay the mortgage. It's very different. I mean, the bonds that the that Silicon Valley Bank had, people were were paying those. I mean, there there it wasn't like they weren't performing. It was just that that the, the, the interest rate dynamic had changed drastically, and they had left themselves exposed to that. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that thank you for that. But Signature Bank and the other and and Silvergate are different, by the way, slightly different. I mean, they kind of had like a different set of problems. Like they 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 went totally crypto. I mean, that's like a whole different animal. Okay. I, I want. Should we? I want to yeah. pull on that thread in a second then. Yeah, I do. I do actually. Yeah. Uh, prior to that though, the problem that SVB um, or sorry, the signature was sitting on with these uh, long duration bonds is duplicated, you know, dozens of times throughout the United States, including you no, know, the, the largest holder of them is the Fed itself. Another very large holder is the FDIC insurance fund that is, that exists to, to provide bailouts or financial support to depositors in banks like signature they're holding the same asset it's underwater just as much they're in the same situation no yes but they have a uh, fancy piece of equipment <laughs> called the printing press and um s silicon valley svb did not have that yeah yeah okay Okay. So what, so then, so, so fair enough. And that's my assumption, you know, Fed's not going to go belly up holding its own bonds, but dozens of other banks might, right? SVB. Well, okay. Look, okay. But here's, here's the, here's the key piece of this that I want people to understand is that if you, if you're a bank and you intend to own the bond until maturity, like when you buy the mortgage, you say, I'm, I'm going to own this mortgage for 30 years. It's going to pay me the whole time. You don't have to. You don't have to report on the change of value. Yeah. The problem was not that. The problem was that they needed to sell. So the other seven or eight hundred billion that's sitting there in the same scenario around the other banks 
it's not really a problem unless the, those banks need more money and then they have to sell the bond. So it's kind of like your your stock portfolio gets hammered. You didn't take a loss until you sell it. Yes. So those banks so be in the same situation, but until they get their own unique cash call, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that, that could occur at any time. We wouldn't know. We could speculate. We don't know what that might be. If, if Silicon Valley Bank had sold stock in Q4, for example, like stock, not the bonds, if they had just said, hey, we're going to issue another million shares of stock or whatever and you know, rake in you know, billion dollars for the, for the, to, to top up the balance sheet, they would have all, they would have survived longer. Yeah. Because yeah. They, did, they, they didn't, they did not intend to sell those bonds that they sold. That originally it says on the balance sheet that they, that it's called hold to maturity. It's it, you know, I have a picture of this in my letter. It says, you know, th these are, it has other bonds that are meant to be sold, but like these bonds, you know, it says we're not going to, I mean, obviously they lost money in the other bonds too, but, but it's, my point is, is that, you know, if, if, if um, Regions Bank or something has a few of these bonds, they're underwater, but they're not having a capital exodus on the other side of the bank. Yep. It's not necessarily going to be the same problem. And okay, another rookie question for you, EB, had they held that bond to maturity, would they have been made whole on their purchase price? I think so. Yeah, because at the moment, I mean, at the moment, the U.S. government has not indicated that it's going to not pay yeah. interest on the treasuries. And at the moment, the, the mortgage defaults are not necessarily at a level where people are, are walking away from mortgages. So, I mean, it's possible that changes, but, but as long as that were to stay the same, that means people would make those payments the whole time. And they would get three percent rate of return, whatever the rate was on those things, for however many years are left, and then and then it's over. Or if people refinance, but that, they're not doing that right now. But if they refinance, you know, the loan comes due, they they would get all that money. You know, it wasn't like a necessarily like an impaired loan. It was a it was a totally rate risk, rate risk. That's that's the whole deal. It's and it's it's exactly it's exactly like if you live in Surrey or somewhere and you and you borrow as much money as possible to put yourself like an above ground pool at your at your townhouse and um and then the interest rates go from zero to five you you can't even pay it you know because you because you're like a nurse or something and you, you know you got a one percent raise but your mortgage rate quadrupled mm -hmm. You're, you're, you, there's no way you can make that happen. You, you just, you know, so, so, so it's not like you lost your job, right? You just had rate, you had your interest rate sensitivity and you, and you, the problem is, is that you never thought about it because since you were 20 years old or something, the interest rates have been going down. So it was working for you the other way. Yeah. The payment kept going down. You were like, this is amazing. It gets cheaper and cheaper. So then what would the hedge have been for SVB? What what could they have done? Where could they have hedged that they did not? Well, I two ways to do it. I mean, one, they could have bought you know variable rate debt instruments to start with, or they could have bought insurance against the 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 rates going up. You know, and these are just in the form of swaps. I mean, you can you can pull up the quotes on these things all day long. I mean, you can basically insure anything. I mean, this is this is you know you can say. I want to ensure the Mexican peso doesn't go 
down more than 3%, you know, and why would someone do this? Because say I'm going to build a high rise in Mexico city and I need to borrow a hundred million dollars and I, I don't, it's going to take me a year and a half to build it. And I don't, I, I, I don't want to expose myself to those kinds of, of, of fluctuations in the, in the peso while I'm building this building or something. I mean, that it's, it's totally sensible that people would do that. So you can, but you have to pay for that. You have to pay, it's like an insurance premium, right? You have to pay. And then what happens is, is that the value of that insurance trades in the market. So, so, you know, as the, as the, as the rate moves, the the value, you, you still lose money, but your insurance becomes worth substantially more, right? And, and so um, think of it like this. Say you have, say you have, um, you know, a thousand shares of Shaw Communications or something. And uh, you know, it's pretty stable, right? And so, you know, you're, you're like, okay, this is a big amount of stock for me. And I want to protect myself in case, you know, the, the company has an, an, an unlikely, you know, bust. Like if something happens and it, and, and it runs into this like, Enron situation. I want to protect myself against that, even though it's low odds. Okay, easy to do. What you do is is you buy put options, which if the stock goes down, the value of the put options goes up, right? So what happens is you lose money on the stock and you make money on the put options. And that's what happens with when you have a bunch of fixed rate debt is that you buy that type of insurance. So the debt goes, if, if SIVB had done that, what would have happened is they would have sold those bonds they would have recognized a 15 or 20 billion dollar loss and then they would have sold the insurance at the same time and recognized a 15 or 20 billion dollar gain less any fees okay. and so they would effectively have netted those things out and they would have protected themselves against that and i don't know why they didn't do that i mean it's 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 extremely common especially when you're dealing with especially when you're dealing with that kind of um, money I mean, as you know, like as your life gets more complicated, you know, your insurance people have all kinds of advice for you about things you need to do. And a lot of times they don't make any sense, but they tell you like, look, I mean, if you, if this happens and this happens and this happens, you're wiped out, you know, and you're like, what are the odds of that? Pretty low, you know, but it could happen. And who would have thought the Fed raises rates from zero to almost five in, in, 10, 10 months, basically. Nobody yeah. would have predicted that. No, no. And I want to I want to spend some time on that, you know, uh, because rates, if rates keep going up, you know, what could be the next dollar? No, before we get there, though, you, you touched on was the signature being a different story and how that. Well, made- slightly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so so the, the crypto centric banks really pivoted their business, you know, to a different type of customer. I mean, the Silicon Valley while it had crypto people, you know, also it was like heavy tech scene and um, Signature and um, Silvergate positioned themselves as being like really the, the, the go-to crypto spots. And as you know, a lot of the crypto people, while they're still quite loud, um, have lost a lot of money. So, um, so, so the, those banks, had a slightly different um, issue, you know, with, with solvency. Um, while the crypto market was hot, you know, they, they, they were a place where people could, 
use the banking system that were crypto people and, you know, had crypto friendly kind of um, attitude towards that. And so, and that, that, that market is hurting. I mean, that's, that's, that's the crypto market is really hurting. You know, there's people that, that definitely overcommitted to Solana coin, you know, $200 and, you know, it's, 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 it's not like it's zero. I'm just saying that, that they had a lot more money. They had a lot more on their phone, you know, when they would show you their Samsung galaxy 50 or whatever they they've got, they, they would tell you that on this phone, I've got a lot of money. And then you would say, well, then how about you pay for dinner? And they would say only if I can pay with, with uh, pizza coin. And then, you know, yeah. Then you got to hear about it for three hours, but Man. hopefully they'll just wash off into the ocean, and then you know we won't have to hear about it anymore. <laughs> okay, but similar, similar dynamic, different asset. Their asset wasn't uh, uh, wasn't necessarily uh, operating, or I guess cash balances in tech companies. It was just the price of crypto. People getting squeezed for a different reason. But well, similar- I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously they, they they at some point have to turn that into money. You know, and that was like quite difficult, you know, I I got a buddy who travels around with like a, you know, three phones and a hard drive and all this. I'm like, what are you doing, man? I mean, honestly, like get a credit card. I mean, you know, like, why not? Why not? I mean, who cares? Really? Who really cares? You know, like, honestly, like, why do you need all you got a whole suitcase full of that? It's computer equipment. So it looks like you're going to blow something up. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. All right. So, um, you know, Biden came out a couple of days after uh, with some loud statements about how they were going to find out, you know, who was responsible for this and make sure they were held accountable. Right. Um, as far as I understand, it's not really anybody who did anything wrong. Uh, you know, um, rates went up and consequences occurred. That's as far as I can understand this situation. Yeah. You agree with that? And I mean, then- it's it's well. The problem is, is that you know we used to have a market in the U.S. A market, like a, a market, is when buyers and sellers argue with each other and collectively determine the price of things by assessing the risk. And you know, if everyone starts thinking that you're a scoundrel, then people don't want to do business with you, and you have to lower your prices to incentivize people to do business with you. And that's what makes the capitalist system work, but that's not what we have anymore. You know, so we don't have that system anymore. We have, we have social studies class in middle school where we talk about that system. It's folklore. And we hear stories about that system and we read books about that system, but we don't actually have that system anymore. What we have is, is a centrally controlled system that um, is inspired by capitalists activities okay so that that's very different and uh um there is no one to okay so what are you going to do you're going to go to the bank guys and you're going to be like you didn't hedge the you didn't hedge your 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 debt portfolio so we're going to put you in the gulag i mean i doubt it i mean i my suspicion is probably they'll have some people some some heavily corrupted people investigate and then they'll find some mid-level person that is a Trump supporter or something, and they'll barbecue this guy, you know, on Capitol Hill and, you know, get him there three days until he's exhausted and says that he just didn't care or something. And then they'll, they'll say, you know, Trump did this or something. 
whatever. So I mean, you know, it, it's just, it, it's so. It, I, I'm just. Let me just tell you, man. Like, <laughs> I've been around. I'm not. I'm not as young as I look. Okay. So, so I've 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 seen this happen so many times, and people fall for it every time. They fall for it every single time, and they're going to fall for it again, and they're going to fall for it a thousand more times until the system doesn't work anymore. Of course, I mean, eventually, you know, the thing crumbles, but everything eventually crumbles, including me and you. But basically, the same playbook is every single time. We're going to find those weapons of mass destruction. We know they're in there somewhere. And um, so it's not a conspiracy. I'm just trying to say to you that try to ignore, like in my office here, you know, there's no television. Right. So there's no television in my house. There's no television. I, I don't even I don't mean there's no television on the wall that I watch. I mean, there's no television. You know, I mean, obviously, I have this fancy machine, but this is um, this is a lot of fun. You know, it's like a, the world's most interesting video game. But basically, um, I get to choose how I take in this data all the time. You know, it's not talking to me. I'm, I'm reading I'm reading this stuff all the time, studying and whatever. But the reason why I have no television is is quite simple. It's because you you what happens is you create a massive distraction, and the distraction is 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 messaging. Now, when I was a kid, my my parents would say they called television pro the programming. They'd say, "What's the programming on there tonight?" Remember? The, have you ever heard of this before? This yeah. Well, yeah. think about it. Programming. It's very interesting. It's programming because it's designed and curated, you know, to, to influence you and distract you. And what we have nowadays is we, we have this life that people live where there, there's not a minute of the day where they're not um, uh, attending to some sort of external signal that's being sent to them. And when you do this all the time, you get very confused. And when you're very confused, you're much easier to control. So my suggestion would be instead of worrying about, you know, the MSNBC just sent you a, a text message telling you that Elizabeth Warren is really mad about the billionaires that got their money out of Silicon Valley Bank. I'm sure she is because they didn't give her enough money. So I'm sure she's going to get to the bottom of why they didn't contribute more. But instead of worrying about that, you know, you can study past experiences like this and and you can look around at what's going on and it's really obvious to see and it's not a conspiracy i get really tired of conspiracy talk um it's crazy it's not a conspiracy it's just you know it's just the way it works i mean this is just how this is how it goes and there's always going to be this way and the faster you kind of get hip to that the more fun you're going to have okay I, I like that um okay we're we should go next is into capital allocation presently. I'm always curious, EB, where my guests are putting cash, if they're putting cash anywhere, if you're waiting on the sidelines. You know, I recently hosted a conference in Vancouver. Uh, love you to come next year if you're able to. It's, you know, uh, by, by the way, I was going to tell you, I was there for three hours. I didn't know that. I mean, I, yeah, I, I saw you giving the, the, uh, you did a great job. You know, it was super professional. You're giving a talk. I was there for three hours. Then I had to go to a carbon conference in Texas. So I had to leave. I could only do the, the first three hours of the thing. And then I had to go to the airport and go to Texas, which, uh, by the way, was in like a massive ice storm. It was really hard to get around. 
I mean, oh, Texas, when they get an ice storm, man, I mean, you forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's, <clears throat> that's awesome. So, uh, you know, if there was a theme EB that came out of that event from everybody that I interviewed, it was that the trade of the year, maybe the decade is patience and, and defense, right? Everyone's playing their, nobody bird. has, nobody has that by the way. Okay. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? Nobody. What are you doing? Well, I mean, I, I just, I got to tell you, I, I, I really tend to not end up in a jam very often anymore. I mean, in, in, in my life. And um, part of it is because, you know, like I was saying about the no television, you know, you, 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 you start like last year um, in March, I had a, a phone call with my property manager who I didn't like that much, you know, his, how he's performing. And then I'm studying my, stuff here. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to sell all my rental property. I'm going to sell it because it looks like the Fed's going to raise rates. I thought like once, right? Number one. Number two, the property manager's not solving problems for me. He's causing problems for me. Number three is that I own this stuff for a long time now since the last crisis, and I'm getting totally tired of it. And people are willing to pay me like what I think is too much money for it, right? So it wasn't like I tried to outsmart anyone. I was just, that's my thought process. And so I called up a real estate lady, Julie, that does all my real estate stuff. And I'm like, sell all this rental property. She's like, all of it? I go, all of it. Sell it all. Send me the DocuSign. I'll sign it tonight. Get the signs in the yard tomorrow. I want it as fast as possible. I'll give you prices. And we're going to negotiate quickly with anyone. Sold all of it, all right? So- Ended up, you know, with a decent amount of cash from that and uh, took that cash and, and bought, a, bought a bunch of treasury bills. I mean, I've talked about this last year. I don't think anyone knew what I was talking about, but I, I tried to explain to people. I, I, in the summer, I started getting into the auction, the treasury auction, right? And I was doing this thing called laddering where you're like four, eight, 13 week treasury bills. Well, they went from like, 25 basis points, which is like a quarter of a percent to almost five. So, I mean, I, I had like a huge amount of money, you know, just like rolling over, rolling over. And then I told people after I did that, I said, you should go to a fish concert because the fish concerts are really fun because they, they're really, they're super talented and it really distracts you. You know, like you, 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 you can watch these guys jam, you know, for hours. And, um, you know, I went to see, I don't know, I must've seen half a dozen, shows you know and uh and people were like that's crazy and i was like you you gotta you gotta do something you can't stare at this stuff all the time you there's nothing to do right now and that has proven to be right now i've done some things i mean i you know i gotta i gotta i thought you would like this i got a silver bar here you know um i bought i bought this yesterday because um one of my really good friends uh, John Fisher was on the phone with me and, and I was like, send me a silver bar, you know? So he overnighted the silver bar, but they're just fun to have. I mean, like this thing, you know, you've had these before, but this is, this thing is like, you put this in your office, right? Like yeah. on the desk and uh, people come in and they, they got to touch it. They got to touch it. And, you know, so they got to touch it and they got to, they got to, you know, hang out and, and it's fun. It's fun. You bought that. So I bought some, some, a little bit more gold too, because the problem is you don't need that much gold. People get this all wrong, right? I mean, you don't need that much gold. People get way too much gold and you're not going to really make money on gold. It's not like that. I mean, 
it's going to kind of protect your wealth. And so, you know, like twice a year, I'll be like, how much gold, you know, do I need? I don't have enough gold. So I'll get a little bit more gold. And uh, people are shocked by that. I mean, they think that I would have like 50% of my assets in gold. It's not true. I mean, in my book, why gold, why now? I, I try to, I don't give advice in there to people, but I try to explain um, that there's a, there's a percentage that's kind of suitable in my opinion. And um, it's a lot lower than you think. Um, so, so, okay. I, I'm on the board of a, a carbon company, carbon offset company, which is becoming quite large. And, um, and I've been spending a lot of time going to carbon conferences. That's why I missed your excellent conference. And um, I just went to Aspen ideas. Uh, I just went to the, where North American CEO CSOs, that's the chief sustainability officer. We're in Texas for the big conference there. And, so I'm going, I'm going to a lot of these things and I'm, and what I'm doing is, is I'm investing my time, which is very valuable, right? We, you know, we all have a fixed amount of time that we can do things and, and I'm investing my time there because the carbon market is not doing what the bond market's doing. <laughs> the carbon market is, is doing quite well. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that and that, that's turning into, that's turning into a big, um, that's turning into a big in, investor for me. And then another thing I'm doing, I am buying some stocks, just to be clear. Um, in my, my newsletter, ebtucker.com, I've got uh, what's called a trustee portfolio. And, and I've, I've spent a lot of time, like people can read these articles for free. There's, I've spent a lot of time explaining to people that, that you and I have a split personality, right? And inside of our personality, there's two parts. And there's a, a trustee, which is like a responsible uh, wise, you know, uh, seasoned manager of wealth. And then there's a gambler and the gambler wants to do crazy things. You know, he wants to like have a poker game till three in the morning and, and, you know, win the deed to your house. And these two personalities are part of us. And so part of what we've done that a lot of people haven't done is figure out how to be close with both of those personalities and how to tell, the gambler, it's not a good time for you right now. And then tell the trustee, you know, it's important that you have the wheel right now because, because right now investing is a long game. You know, it's, it's really, it's a survival game. It's not a, a get rich quick game. And uh, even if you have a little bit, even if you have a thousand dollars, it's still not a get rich quick situation because you're probably not going to get rich quick. You might, but you're probably not. And uh, so I have a portfolio in there called the trustee I have a portfolio called the gambler, but there's nothing in it right now. But in the trustee portfolio, I'm actually um, building that portfolio um, to match the same portfolio that I'm managing for a trust where I am the actual trustee. Legally, legally, I'm responsible for a, for a trust. And um, part of that, part of that trust is in stocks. And so I'm, I'm, slowly building the same portfolio there. I'm just basically telling you what I'm doing in that portfolio. I think people would be surprised. Some of the stocks have done quite well in the last three months. Um, I've got one company that, that is the largest provider of, of French fries in America. And if you've been to America, you know that French fries are a luxury item. Uh, you know, we've cheapened our currency so much that, you know, the French fry is, is now kind of the, it's going to be an entree item soon. Yeah. Uh, but, 
anyway, the, this, the, things like that, that people would not normally think um, that that's exciting. But mm. for instance, the French fry company is up about 17% last time I checked since mid-November. And um, that is not bad. I mean, honestly, like that is, that is not, that is not bad at all. You know, we, we, we're doing a little bit of energy in there big energy companies, you know, not, not the small energy companies. Um, you know, Warren Buffett is mostly taking control of Occidental Petroleum. Um, you know, the, the energy market is really interesting. You saw the U.S. this week approved a huge ConocoPhillips project in Alaska in the middle of a refuge with, you know, baby polar bears and stuff. And what that tells you is that everybody's mad at Biden for this. But what it tells you is that the U.S. knows it needs it needs to continue producing reliable sources of crude oil because the green transition is not happening as quickly as anticipated. And um, oil usage in the developing countries is, is still quite high. So um, the only thing that I'm really not buying at the moment is real estate. I mean, I, I did buy a, a different house for myself, but uh, I felt like it's a really good fit for me. You know, it was like a friend of mine designed it and stuff. So um, I, I called the owner was going to sell it. I said, don't use the realtor. Let me, let me buy it from you. And um, so then I don't think that's like really an investment. I mean, your house is not really, I, I don't live in a, I don't have a big house. You know, I have, I have a, I always have a cool house. Like, like I always have a really cool house, but not a big house. And um, the reason why is because, uh my lifestyle since I've been young has never been conducive to debt. So I've never been able to really have like the same type of buying power that, that, you know, so, so, you know, as, as my career has grown, um, you know, the houses have gotten cooler, but they, they, people are always shocked. You know, they're like, this is, I feel, thought you'd live in a really big house. But I'm like, what am I going to do in there? You know, it's just crazy. And also they have no character. The big houses a lot of times have no, you know, so they're, they're built in poor taste. Mm. So anyway, so I don't really consider, you know, that. But I, I do think when I people ask me for advice, I do think you should have a cool house because what happened, I mean, I write, you know. So for me, you know, the space where I'm living is really important. You know, if I'm if I'm living in a homogenized stucco, you know, styrofoam, you know, house in America with columns and a cul-de-sac out front, um, I can't, I can't really, I can't think straight, you know, it's too confusing. So I need to live in a place with lots of natural light and lots of glass and, you know, like a hip, you know, skinny pool out back. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, I like that stuff, you know, it's cool. It's, it, I like architects too. I mean, architects will, will make a place for you. That's cool. If you let them, if you leave them alone, just tell them to, you know, let them get to know you and then don't bother them too much. They'll build you a cool place. But anyway, so, so I encourage people to do that. And, and that's something you can do, you know, anytime. I mean, you can always invest in your space when you can't find other things to do and you need to distract yourself. You can do that and build yourself a sauna and, you know, you'll, you'll kill a lot of time and you might keep yourself out of trouble. I mean, a lot of people, they just can't stay out of trouble. They can't sit on cash. They can't, everybody was shocked that I didn't take the rental house money and buy a bunch of bunch more houses. And I'm like, why would I have sold these houses and bought more houses? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So it's like selling, you know, Tesla and 
buying another car stock. I mean, it's like, what are you doing? You know, just the same thing. So, so anyway, the, the point is, is that I'm doing things like that. And, um, so far I've, you know, been feeling pretty good. I haven't really had any problems to speak of. So. I love that. Hey, okay. So, uh, love to buy a cool house or live in, live in a cool house piece of advice, by the way, look, I know you got to jump. So, but I have to pull on one thread. You said, since you've been young, your life has not been conducive to debt. And I'm just curious what you mean by that. You know, I just, I never could get a mortgage, right? I mean, I could never get, um, I, I just, I went, I went off, I went off on this like unusual path that, that was unpaved and nobody was on it. And, and I was just a total kind of wanderer and, and I wrote about this in my book that, that what motivated me was intellectual freedom. That's all I wanted. I mean, I, I, I was sent off to a uh, uh, reform institution when I was like 16. And then before that, I was at like, but it was a terrible adolescent period. And so I, it was really important to me as I started working to have intellectual freedom. And I quickly realized that the only way to, to have intellectual freedom was to have financial freedom. And financial freedom to me was a much smaller amount of money than to most people. You know, I was willing to live, you know, in a small place. I was willing to, to drive a really beat up car. You know, I don't just didn't care. I was like, I, if I, I mean, I, 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 I can't, if I have a car payment, I'm, I'm going to be, someone's going to have to tell me what to do all the time. And I'm not going to like that. So what happened was, um, it was that when I focused on those goals, it worked out really well for me in the long run. Okay. But in the short run, nobody could make sense of me on paper. Mm. So, so, you know, anytime I would try to go and do something conventional, you know, like get a phone turned on or something, they'd be like, you know, we don't understand what you do. You know, and I'd be like, well, you know, I'm blogging and, and I'm doing some stock research and, you know, I'm doing this and I'm going to Mexico to look at a gold mine and, you know, I have a roommate and believe me, I'm good for the, I'm good for the phone bill. And um, they're just like, it doesn't work that way. Do you have a pay stub? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so, so what happened was I just was like blocked out of that, you know, and, and even now, I mean, I mean, like, it's so funny because what happens is, is that everybody in the U S says, ah, I got a mortgage guy. You got to talk to him. And I'm like, believe me, he, he's not going to, he's not going to do anything for me. Not that I want a mortgage. I'm just saying this comes up. And so I indulge them. I say, all right, let's go talk to your mortgage guy. And then I get in there and the guy's like, we can definitely help you. And then, and then, so I start explaining to him what's going on and look at tax returns. And he's like, well, you know, you got lots of money, but you know, you should definitely use my money to pay for your house, not your money. Okay. So sure. What do you got for me? And then they come back to me like two days later and they're like, well, you know, it's really complicated because you don't have a paycheck. And, um, you know, you only, you only kind of pay yourself like twice a year or quarterly or something. And, you know, cause I, I do it like a, like a hunting a, for a Buffalo or something. Right. I mean, like imagine if we lived in a, in a, in a village together a long time ago, me and you. So we, we would be the elder statesman. And I would say to you, uh, everybody's looking a little hungry. You know, we gotta, we gotta go up the hillside and kill something. So we would go up there and kill a Buffalo. And then we would get some helpers, some 
kind of beta males to help us drag that thing down the hill into the village and we'd feed everybody and you know we'd be everybody be eating for about a month right but you and i would eat like the heart and stuff we we would like we would consume the organs of course but this is how we would this is how i would this is would be my role okay and and so the way i've always operated is like let me get enough to eat you know so that i can so that i don't have to be going out to get something to eat every four or five hours something and I can focus on this stuff and take care of this or that. And then when I'm, when it's time to eat again, I'll go, I'll go get something. And, uh, and so I, that's how I thought about money too. Right. I was like, you know, if you, if you, if you got to go to, a, if you got to go to, you know, like the, 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 the store where you work or whatever, like to the subway or the dry cleaners or something, you got to be there for 50 hours a week, man, you can't do anything else. Yeah. You can't do anything. So, I mean, you got to set your life up to where you, you've got a big amount of, of time to focus on things if you, if you want to do what I wanted to do. You know? And so my point is, is that the mortgage guy looks at this and, and he says, we, don't, we can't be sure you'll be able to pay the mortgage because um, you have to make a mortgage payment every month and you only, have a, you only have a bunch of money coming in every three, three or four or five months, you know? And it's, it's really, to me, it's like comical, right? Because I'm thinking, well, I guess you're right. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. well, it's like, but, it, but anyway, but I got used to all that. And then, you know, what part of that is, is that you have to live within your means. And that's really hard for people. You, know, you have to live within your means. And um, once, but once you get used to it, it's fine. Because when I have, when I want to do something, I just pay for it. You know, I just like, you just pay for it and do it. Right. I mean, I, like I, I will take, you know, my kids on a trip or something. Right. And I'll be, where do you want to go? They'll say, like, okay, great. And so we'll book it for, you know, three months away. Right. And I'll just pay for the whole thing now. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, you get into this mindset and it actually works better because you're not paying for the trip after. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so anyway, I don't know. It's like, it, 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 it's not for everybody, but I'm, but I'm saying for me, that that's been my my path and once i accepted it 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 made a lot more sense it's sage advice man it really is and you're right it's, it's very difficult because debt is so seductive right you could have this trip now right instead of in six months or whatever um okay look uh we should probably wrap it up because i know you got a mastermind you got to jump to so i appreciate your time eb um, love to do it again and would love to have you at the conference on stage with me if we can make it happen in January. Uh, yeah, let's door, do man. it. All right, awesome. Yeah, and uh, look, ebtucker.com, all right, it's brand new. This quarter, people were bothering me for a long time to, to start writing again. I wrote yeah. a book, but they didn't, that wasn't enough. They wanted more. And it's there, ebtucker.com. You can read it for free right now. I promise you'll learn something. It comes out every other Thursday at 9 a.m., Every other Thursday, hit your email box, 9 a.m. I don't bother you at all between those two things. And um, come learn with me. I love that. I love that. Okay. ebtucker.com. Right now, a free newsletter every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Weekly wrap up. What do you talk about, EB? What do people get from you? Well, this week I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about shark liver. Okay. So you'll have to, you'll have to, you'll have to go in there to, to see. To, to see. But um <laughs> it's every other Thursday, every other yeah, Thursday, because 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I, I I travel a lot, you know. So I'm I'm I got stuff to do, man. You know, I can't I can't uh, I can't be you know I can't be coming to you too often because uh, I wouldn't have anything to talk about. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Are you going to join Twitter? That's probably a question Never. you can ask a lot as well. No. Never. No interest. Uh, but the only place, see, here's the thing. The only place you can find my work is ebtucker.com. And that's important because I'm not going to be out. Twitter's like a pub. You know, you go to the pub and you kind of like, you know, tell jokes to your buddies and laugh and do all this stuff, but nothing really happens at the pub. Mm. And so Twitter is a place to make a bunch of noise, but I don't do that. I, I, I make noise directly to you. You know, I'm sitting right here writing, writing to you. And I'm not at Twitter. So if I'm at Twitter, I can't focus on this, you know, because I'm sparring with people and telling jokes and goofing off. And, and, and that's my philosophy. I could be wrong, but that's my philosophy. So when you, when you find me at ebtucker.com, you know that that's the only place. I mean, I have a LinkedIn, but that's kind of like a digital business card. That's a bit different. But um, the only place I put my thoughts and ideas is ebtucker.com. That's it. That's the only place. And um, try it out. You, you might find that it's, it's a higher quality way to communicate with me. I love that. Okay, man. All right. Well, look, thanks again. I appreciate your time. All right. Okay. Talk to you later. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor. Follow or subscribe to this podcast. Drop me a rating and a review and share this with a friend. All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.